Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Steve Griffin. He's the CEO of the Finger Lakes Economic Development Center in Yates County, New York. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. So first off, I noticed it's the Finger Lakes Economic Development Center. What is the center in that? Uh... So the our actual legal entity name is the Yates County Industrial Development Agency, which the state, New York State, allowed municipalities to form these organizations 25 years ago, probably longer than that, Yeah, back in the 70s probably. But it's taking the turn, it's not just industry anymore that we're responsible for. So not long after I started here, we rebranded to the Finger Lakes Economic Development Center for a couple different reasons. The First is not a whole lot of people knew where Yates County, right. New York was. There was a much better chance that they would know where the Finger Lakes were. And there was a lot more marketing dollars going into advertising the Finger Lakes. So we jumped on the opportunity, changed to the Finger Lakes Economic Development Center. And so that was the location purpose of mm -hmm. it, pick up some free marketing. And then the Economic Development Center from Industrial Development Agency to represent broader range of the businesses and services that, that we're looking to help sense. and offer. And I think you, I think that was probably a really good play to make the name change from emphasizing the Yates County to the Finger Lakes, because you're right. I have no idea where Yates County is. I've never heard of it. I did look it up before we, the show started and it's the third least populated county in the state of New York. So that's interesting, but I do know where the Finger Lakes are. They're those finger looking lakes north-south lakes that are, I guess they're south of Rochester, south of Lake Ontario, like that? Yeah, we're, okay. there's 11 finger lakes. <laughs> 11 fingers. That is worth. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're between Rochester and Syracuse and a little bit north of the Ithaca area. That's the triangle that we represent as far as um, Sure. And for our us, listeners, for our right, listeners that right aren't as familiar with the state of New York, that would be basically like the middle of Pennsylvania straight up. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Okay. There you okay. go. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We're not New York city. I'm much, I'm considerably closer to Toronto, Ontario than I am New York city where we're located. We're only probably three hours, three and a half hours from Toronto where we're a good five and a half or oh, six wow. hours to New York city. It's, it's really hard to imagine not to living in New York state, how large the state is and you know, what, that there are these places. So what is the population of Yates County? We are, we're one of the smallest. There's only 25, roughly 25,000 people yeah. in the county. It's been that way for many decades, staying right around that 25,000 mark. The demographic has shifted. We have roughly, probably 20% of our population is actually made up of the community, or I'm sorry, the okay. people's the Mennonite community. So Mennonites, if you aren't familiar with, with them, they're uh, loosely related to the Amish. More people are familiar with the Amish, but they're a subset of the Amish population. 
and they represent about 20% of wow. our population. So do they, or are they like the Amish and that they don't drive cars and use electricity and all that? They're, no, they, some, it depends on the church that they affiliate with, but the reason they're a little bit, they'll use more of sure. the modern amenities than the Amish will. But it, again, it depends on the church. So there are Mennonites that don't drive, they have steel wheels on their tractors and such. And then there's the driving community, driving Mennonites that you'll see driving around town. And, but most you'll see are it's horse and buggies going up and down our roads. And we're because it may, it's a, it makes a pretty big visual dynamic here when you take a look at it. Cause then they're in Penyan, the village of Penyan is the county seat right on the Northern shore of Kuka Lake, K-E-U-K-A. It's the Think of one of only two Y-shaped lakes in the world. So it's a big tourism, tourist area. And uh, there's quite a bit of wealth around the area. So you'll see sports cars and luxury vehicles sharing the road with, with horse and buggies. And you'll see $100,000 boats on trailers right next to, parked in a parking lot next to a buggy. Wow. So it's a, it's a, I say that we're, we're we were 20% of our population only uses alternative forms of transportation. So <laughs> well, it's, it makes a pretty, pretty visual, visually interesting right, experience that dynamic. for people. And I'd imagine alternative forms of transportation, that probably helps with your, when you want a grant, when you want a transportation grant, that 25% of the people using alternative forms of transportation, that's, that's a big deal. It is, it has its own, again, everything it's, uh, we're, I think an extremely unique community in some of the challenges we face. We're an older community, mm -hmm. so our roads are narrow. And as more of our tourism industry continues to grow and is trying to figure out how to share roads that can't be widened, it's it adds some it adds for some interesting You mentioned tourism and I would imagine that would with the lake and with everything that's there, that's probably the large draw. What else what other industries are there in Yates County? So our two largest industries actually are agriculture and manufacturing and the manufacturing usually yeah. surprises people a little bit, but it's by far our largest employer. So we have uh, 1400 employees or so in the manufacturing sector in our area. We're up since 2001, we've seen a 46% increase in our manufacturing jobs. While most of our region, most of our state, uh, and you know, I guess a lot, large part the the nation has seen right. pretty significant decreases in manufacturing jobs, but we've had We've had a pretty big spike. I mean, it hasn't come. It's not one employer. It's numerous employers. Some of our largest manufacturers are around mm -hmm. two to 300 people, but it's a whole lot of our annual economic development conference every year is in Cooperstown, right. New York, Baseball Hall of Fame. And I joke that we hit, we've grown based off of hitting a lot of singles and doubles and very few home runs. And it's, it helps because if one company doesn't actually happen to make it, unfortunately doesn't, it doesn't, those employees are scooped up quickly by, by the well, other that's, a, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Succeeding by hitting singles and doubles and well, that's how you win games ultimately. Well, and we're, we know what we are. We know what we aren't with 25,000 people in those lakes, although they're beautiful and they help our agriculture, which is the, the next biggest industry that we have, that the lakes themselves create their own okay. little microclimate system. They're deep freshwater lakes. They were carved out by glaciers millions of years ago. And because of that, because of the hills that go alongside of them, it helps insulate the land and the area from a lot of snow or really deep freezes. And so we've, one of the things that grows really well here are grapes, specifically wine grapes. So Yates County is actually the, by density, the largest wine grape growing county outside of California. So we have a huge 
craft beverage because right along we've had, we have hundreds of wineries and uh, along with the wineries now have come craft breweries, the distilleries, the meteries there. So it's, uh, if you can make right. alcohol, and, we do and it. And coupled with tourism, that makes sense. And I'm sure that works really well. But the thing that I want to talk about is this manufacturing sector, because that's 5% of your, you said 14, you said you had 1400 employees in manufacturing and you have 25,000 people in the county. That's 5%. So what are they manufacturing? What do you, what, what's, what, yeah, what's going on? Everything. So our, the largest, our largest manufacturing employer right now is a, is a beverage okay. pro processor, a dairy processor. They specialize in doing some yogurts, but more creameries, creamers and such for uh, like Tim Hortons, McDonald's, okay. that sort of thing. We have a small bus manufacturer. So called Coke. The first one is Canpack, the dairy processor. Coaching equipment is a small bus manufacturer. You'd see a lot of city buses that might utilize them. Colleges and universities use them. Uh, so we have a bus manufacturer. We have a, a company that, that makes, that deals with fine resins and polishes. And we have uh, grain processors. We have custom machinery builders. And it's, there is no one, we're not just automotive. We're not just uh, food processing with it's, it is a sort of a complete, we have plastic injection molder. So it's across the board so I, we have them all. First, as you were explaining this, okay, I thought maybe their manufacturing is there because the agricultural elements are there, but then you said it's not all food processing. So what's the secret? Why are these manufacturers there? Would you, how did you get them there and why did they come? What was the draw? So it, it, I think a lot of it has to do with the skill set that we've had in the area for a long time. So we started out the story and I won't bore you with our history too long, but with the lakes we've had, or actually we were created, the community was created by a, a religious set that came into the area and you started utilizing, there's a small canal, it's called the Cuca outlet that runs from Cuca Lake to Seneca Lake. And within it, there was a number of waterfalls and such. So a whole bunch of facilities popped up along, along the line. So we've had a start we started in manufacturing right. 200 plus years ago. It, we've just always been this manu this manufacturing hub along with that a number of years ago, the village of Penyan ended up getting a hydro power allocation. So okay. low cost power, they were able to utilize. I think it's 25 megawatts of low cost hydro. And so we were at the time being able to offer power three cents a kilowatt hour or something around those lines. And on top of that, the lakes that are so beautiful to look at and bring in people from a tourism perspective, make East West travel a little bit difficult. So we are, so our Eastern and Western boundaries of our County are lakes. You have to go North or South before you get to go East or West. It insulated us. And as a result, we ended up seeing our wages happen to be a fair amount lower than a lot of the surrounding areas. And then I think the third big reason was, right. and this is all relative speaking, but because of the lakes and what we're seeing now, because of the increase in the property values in and around all of the lakes and because of the Mennonites who do pay school taxes, but they have, they send their kids to their own schools. Our lake property owners generally aren't here year round, or if they are, they're retirees. They don't have children going to schools. Our school tax rates are really low. And so you end up with low utility, low wages, low property taxes. 
and a workforce that has that for a long time had a heavy agriculture, outdoor sort of work ethic and, and the knowledge of whole engineering. And there's 20, 30 different colleges, and universities surrounding us. So access to a talented workforce and it all just comes here. And yet, once you get started here, you're had been, now I think COVID has changed things a little bit. You had been a little bit insulated from even competition for your employees. So you had really long tenured employees at a lot of these wow. businesses. That is, that's just the sort of trifecta of everything that you could possibly want in a community where you're doing economic development. So when you got there, what was all of this understood and recognized and, or how did that all play out? So I'm entering, I think I just finished mm -hmm. my 15th year okay. here and this is home for me. I was uh, born and raised in, in Penn, which people are trying to figure out what that is. That's short for Pennsylvania Yankees. <laughs> okay. That was the, when the town forefathers got together, they, half of them were from Pennsylvania. The other half were sort of New Englanders <laughs> and they said, let's, how about Penn Yan? At one point it was going to be pandemonium, which I thought right. would have been pretty, pretty neat to be for, but uh, so we, yep. Yeah, we had a subset of manufacturers. We we had not too dissimilar from the rest of this area you know, back in the late 18, early 1900s, a heavy manufacturing presence. We had boat builders and basket makers and mm -hmm. cooperages everywhere. And they slowly started to move away for various reasons. The one thing we struggled with, and it, there hadn't been many big wins for a while. And so while the, I think the foundation was set for sure. When I got here, we tweaked a couple of things, I think important things, but really focused on a mindset change. We, the, there was a couple of business owners here that joked that this was a community that loved to hate itself and would find reasons. And this is not going to be, everybody knows a story. It was, it was difficult to get things done. There was always a reason why something couldn't work. We've tried this before. It doesn't happen. It won't work. Nobody will come buy that or stay here. And so we focused heavily on just trying to change the internal perception of self-worth almost. And we, I mentioned, and I was, I'm sure I was able to get away saying some things that someone that wasn't from the area, you know, wouldn't be able to say, but I, I said, if, if you're from here, this is a great place to live. But if you're not from here and we got to change some things because it's a little bit different to live here. We don't have at the time, and we still don't have any, we have no big box retailers in our community. You got to go 20, 25 minutes to get to a big box retailer. But the, the positive side of that is we have a, we continue to have a very strong sort of mom and pop retail sector. Our downtown in Penyon, in the village of Penyon, it's a small community. The village of Penyon only has about 5,000 people, but we have well over 70 storefronts in our historic downtown, which is still alive and thriving. And they're all full. We had to, that's new. We had to sure. tweak some of our things to, to get people to feel that way. And what we did from an economic development standpoint is we opened ourselves up. So we changed, we made the change from industrial development agency to economic development center. We lowered some fees. We opened up to the businesses we were going to help and, and it didn't go smoothly at first, but I wanted to, I didn't care what business you were. I didn't care if you were male or female. I didn't care if you were a manufacturer. I didn't care if you were a retail. I just wanted you to do your project here. Just come to the area. We're going to help you. We'll get you to go. All of our, all of our businesses here with the exception of one, two, I guess, of our larger employers were all created here. There was an mm -hmm. entrepreneur that started the business. 
and they'd grown it over a hundred years or so. And so we've said, let's, that's where our sweet spot is. Let's just try to help as many of those businesses get started. Some won't make it, mm -hmm. some will, and some are going to grow. And so let's just, and who knows what it's going to look like. Clearly there is no one industry that we're, we're beholden to. So let's just help everyone and anybody. And so we lowered fees. I think some of the more creative things we did is we really started doing a lot of loans. So we got into okay. small business lending. And, and it's all, it was risky, but as uh, opposed to having higher interest rates for a riskier business, we lowered our interest rates. So we tried to make it as risk tolerant for the lend the borrow as we could, because clearly if it's a, you know, if it's a business, you're not really sure you should, if they're struggling to get money from a typical uh, financing institution, they're rewarded with higher interest rates and <laughs> it's even harder for them to make that business go. We went the opposite way. We were offering 1% loans or counted interest rate, whatever it may be to help get those businesses to, to launch. And we've done, uh, geez, in the probably 12 years or so we've done a hundred and probably 150 loans roughly. And I think we've had three fail. Then they've been some, they've been some doozies that we've lent to, but like all but, all but three have worked. Wow. In our pre-interview, I asked you an interest about an interesting story and you meant, you said we should talk about the Burkett Landing renovation. I'm guessing that was an apartment complex of some kind. It is. Not, okay, what was it? It wasn't then. So Burkett, it was a green storage facility located along that Cuca outlet that okay. I had mentioned to you previously. So the Burkett Mills, I argue, is it's got to be the oldest existing manufacturer in New York State. I, I It's got to be one of the oldest in the country. It started, and it's still in the same location. Back in 1797, it was George Washington's last year in office that it, it started. This facility located on a street called Water Street, it was probably the most unsightly street we had, uh, but it was located right on, the, right on the canal. And it's, it could be lots of things. It wasn't efficient as a grain storage facility anymore. There was a flood back in 72 that pretty much wiped out the rail siding that went there. And it just really wasn't the ceilings were about six feet tall. There were massive, probably 14 or 12 by 12 or 14 by 14 inch wooden beams everywhere throughout the facility to hold it up. So we worked with the owner and said, can we try something else with this? Let's turn it into a mixed use. I'd love to see some market rate housing. We were also struggling at that same time with the makeup of our housing in downtown. So we had most of our communities similar to us with the, have the historic row mm -hmm. buildings downtown struggled with vacancy on their upper floors. We weren't vacant. We were full, but it was almost all low income housing. And so we needed to add to the diversity of the incomes that were down there. We didn't look to replace any of the apartments that were low income, but we just, we had to, we were lacking sure. on that market rate side. So here was an opportunity to just simply add units and we took a handful of developers through it. Most walked in, looked, shook their head, left right away. One told me they thought we might be able to get a flea market to go in it. And the final one, or I guess the ultimate one, the last, per, the last developer we had showed it, walked in with architects. We spent probably two and a half hours, three hours walking around this place. And he came out, he said, I think we can do something here. And so that something was to create it into, I think he's got 13 market rate apartments at the time they were upper end apartments 
and they were the first of their kind in in Gates County, let alone in Penn Yan, and faced with all of the all of the naysayers. Like this won't who's gonna spend at the time and they end up being beautiful apartments. He had to take out two floors to make it work. They had found at one point this the upper two floors, four floors were added onto much later in time. And so when he leveled out the lower two floors, it made the top two floors unlevel. So he had, it was a real architectural challenge for him, engineering challenge, but he went in there and he was looking at roughly a dollar to a dollar and 50 a square foot per month for the apartments. That, that, that was three times what any apartment in our community was getting at the time. And nobody thought anyone would spend that money in Penyan or Yates County to that end, there wasn't a single market study that said it would work because the market studies, in my opinion, a lot of the time that generally right. draw from what's already worked right. in your community. What do you have? What's their success? All right, well, here's what you can do. If you don't have any of it yet, they tend to think it won't work. There's a reason it's not there. And so as the developer myself would present this project afterwards, they, a lot of the developers in the area, who'd you use for your market study to say it would work? And he, Chris Iverson is his name. He would shake his head. No, he's there weren't any. He's like, he, Steve just said it would work and trust him. It, it was a wild success. He was, we did a, an open house for the community. The community walked through it. Couldn't believe it, how beautiful it was. And he filled up almost immediately, got some, we had a, a wine bar open up in the basement that overlooked the canal and it just took the street, which was again, the most unsightly street we had. And it started the big turnaround for our, what is the, our historic downtown area of Penyan. It made a huge difference. It was right. that proof that it would work. So other people started renovating their vacant upper floors, the ones that were vacant, so they're only a handful to these apartments and it worked. Another building on that same street, which was a, an old wine, wine warehouse, grape warehouse went renovated. They did upper in apartments. It's filled up. And since then, a new hotel has opened up downtown. We've had four or five new restaurants open, more retailers. So the whole subset, even the mix of what was on the first floor, we had a lot of professional offices on the first floor and the ultimate worst, which is storefronts that weren't vacant, but also weren't you. So you couldn't get anything in them because the owners didn't want to let them go and they didn't want to do anything. Uh, all of that has turned around. So we have retailers everywhere. We have more eateries and, and craft breweries and, and mixologies and all this. It's uh, it's been an amazing turnaround. Wow. That is quite the story. And that quote about the market studies, that's an, that is an excellent quote that they just look at what you've already got. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, really I'd imagine not. Those that do that. <laughs> but it's, a, it, it's, but that's the challenge we had. So housing is another one we have issues with and you try to get a market study and all they will tell you, you can get here is right. subsidized for rent housing because we haven't had those neighborhood get the knockout neighborhoods where there's two or 300 houses built in their own little neighborhood community. We don't have any of those. We don't really have the land in which to make something right. like that work because all of our available land is actively farmed. It's you try to get houses built and where's your market study that says it can work and you're working with these, these companies that are doing it and saying, you can't look at what we have now, you have to, let me take you around. Let me show you what's, let me show you what's getting built on the lake. Every third place right. on the lake now, like it's here, people will buy. It's just, it, every project takes a lot of effort to try to 
get that first one to go. That's phenomenal. So how did you even get into this? Because you said you're from Penyan, so you obviously grew up there. How'd you get into economic development? How did this all come about for you? So this is the hokey part of the story here. Growing up, I had, I think I remember now if it was a junior high, middle school or early high school, having a conversation with my father about what am I going to do in life at the time I was, I swore I was still going to play in the NBA, but he was trying to get me to maybe mm-hmm. have a backup plan. And he said, if you if you want to make decent money, you're probably going to have to move. You're likely not going to find the kind of job you want to do. Cause I knew I wanted, I thought I want to do something in marketing if, if, if I wasn't going to be able to play <laughs> pro basketball, I thought maybe I'd, I like the marketing side of things. He said, okay, if you're, if you're going to, if you want a good job, making some money in marketing, probably not going to be here. And I asked him a couple more questions about why and businesses don't really locate here. And I wasn't necessarily the hometown kid who desperately wanted out. I was interested to go explore, but I didn't have the burning desire. I didn't hate home. I wasn't bored with home. And, but after I graduated from college, I did go do that exploration and I spent eight or nine years down in the Washington DC area and got, it was during the, the dot-com boom and latched on to a couple different small startup internet companies that had some really explosive growth. And so one of them, I think I was the first or second sales rep that was hired for him. And my job was to grow the sales force. And three and a half years later, we had 950 employees. We'd gone public. I had 150 sales, sales reps and support staff that were working for me. And one thing led to another, actually 9-11 hit. And at the time I was working in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, pretty close to the Pentagon. And we were evacuated, told to go home. And I looked at my wife, who's from far part of the Western end of New York state. And I said, what do you think we, what do we, let's go back home. And so we did. I latched on to a really small technology company and it was a terrible fit. I was used to venture capital money and funding and here's mm-hmm. how you grow. It's just, let's go. And it was a real experience of what a small business has to struggle with and you can't grow that fast. And it didn't work, but a lot at that time, I saw an ad for a deputy director for the Genesee County Industrial Development Agency. And I didn't know what any of that meant. I had no idea what a deputy director was, but I did see in the job description that you were supposed to help create jobs. And it was, it was that sort of aha moment. Like there's an industry that does that. That's what I want to do. When I came back home and worked for that tech company, I really thought the desire wasn't necessarily to go public. It was, Hey, I had 900 and there was 950 people in the company. If we could do that back home, how cool would that be? And then all of a sudden found this industry and they hired, they Luckily, they hired me as their deputy director. And about five years after that, the CEO job became available at the Yates County Industrial Development Agency. And I talked to a lot of the business owners there. And we had a lot of success in Genesee County in my five years there. And so, would you have an interest in coming back home to do that? And I said, that, yeah, that's the dream. That was 15 years ago now. That's an amazing story. That Just the ups and the downs and the, <laughs> yeah, it's like you were destined. I It's I think you deal with more if it's your, if it's your hometown, the sure. losses hurt more, the wins yeah. mean more and the, the frustrations are probably felt more. And I don't know that I'd have it really any other way. It's, you know, it's great to see, I coach high school basketball too. And it's, we're starting to have probably one of our, one of our larger 
companies right now is a Bitcoin manufacturer to add to the diversity of our businesses. I think it's the largest in New York state actually. And there's kids I coached that are now here working in this data mining for a power plant that that happens to have data miners and they never would have been able to do that before here. We didn't have that skill set here for that job. And those are the ones where I sit back and smile. That's all neat is that to see that, that young guy there now able to work in the same hometown that his parents are in that they never dreamed their kids would be able to stay here if they didn't want to. Amazing. Wow. So if any of our listeners have similar situations or find themselves in a similar predicament, can they reach out to you and pick your brain, get some advice, that sort of thing? Would that be okay? Because you have such an interesting perspective. Yeah, I think you've um, done all these different things. And yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'd I'd be happy to. I think uh, the one part that I find surprising to me, and maybe it was from the coming from the private sector, at least up where we're from, there were not a lot of my colleagues seem to have a, any relationship, let alone a good relationship with their, with the media outlets in their communities. And so one of the things I did early mm-hmm. on was go meet with them and say, we got to change some things here. We're so pessimistic. And I, after every public presentation or speech I gave, I always ended it with, we have to scream louder in the pessimists. We have to start believing we can win, that these things can work here. And I went and talked to our radios and our newspapers and said, I need you to help me here. You report on what you need to report on. If I can get you spin a positive story here or there and, or at least add all the positive elements of a project, not just the tax incentives on it. I can get you to tell the whole picture for me. That would be immensely helpful. And they bought into it right away. And you know, you're being able to reinforce your vision and your story throughout. And it's been 15 years. It was the last three to four has been a rocket ship, but before that it was, they weren't all wins. It was not easy, but I think that was a huge success. And I'm sure in large ways, I was lucky that the individuals in those different newspapers and radios were willing to come along. Wow. Fantastic. What would you want them to? They can, they can email me if they'd like, which is uh, Steve Finger Lakes. E-D-C, or they can find me on LinkedIn. That's the one I'm probably most most active on, if they want to find it, it's uh, Steve Griffin on LinkedIn. You email me, our, our phone number is 315-536-7328 if they want to call. I'm happy to, Fantastic. however they well, want to reach out you, to me. You're doing some great work there. And I think you've given us a whole different perspective on that part of the, the country. Because we don't, you know, honestly, economic development is not in the, on the national scene. We don't hear a lot about things happening in upstate New York. That's just not on the radar of the economic development world. So this has been just utterly fascinating to hear about this whole different situation that you have there and that all the things that everybody else does also work there. You're just doing a better job at it. That's what it sounds like. I don't know if I'm doing a, I don't know if I'm doing a better job at it or not, but certainly we're, yeah, you don't hear about us in the news very often. I think that's starting to change a little bit. We're the Rochester area that we get lumped into as part of our MSA is, is they're starting to get some pretty big wins. There's a lot of good work going on there. And we continue to be this little community that, that chugs along and leads our region in almost every single economic category from percentage of new business establishments to total job growth, manufacturing, housing values, our poverty's lowering. All the metrics are good. Just nobody knows we're doing it. <laughs> I hope that this podcast helps get the word out about your little rocket ship there. Cause this is just 
been fantastic. I appreciate the opportunity to tell the story. And yeah, I love sharing stories. I like what you're doing here, Dan. I love hearing what other communities do and how they're the challenges, what sort of strategies they come up with to address their challenges. And it's a lot of us, like you said, are facing the same things. We just have to figure yeah. out different ways sometimes. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.